Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet top real estate agent Robert Tarzi with Lux Manor Real Estate. It's so nice to see you, Robert. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, so just to kind of get things started, let's hear a little bit more about you. How long have you been in the real estate industry and how'd you end up an agent? Um, I've been in the real estate industry for about nine years. Um, I actually started at a, uh, I moved from a law firm that had a heavy concentration on, on real estate law into commercial real estate. Um, after doing that for about three years um, and speaking with some friends that were on the residential side, I decided that that would be a better fit for me. Um, a little bit more fun. And then also um, a bunch of financial factors as far as uh, uh, it, it being a little quicker process to get people into a home versus getting people into office space. Um, so on multiple levels, it was a better fit for me. And now that I've been in it for about seven years, um, it's been way more rewarding. Love that. And what made you choose Lex Manor Real Estate? So I actually had a friend that I met through the uh, process of getting my real estate licensed um, who started at Lux Manor Real Estate. And I was literally across Wisconsin Avenue uh, from them um, doing my commercial gig. And we'd meet for lunch and we'd complain about things that were going on in our, in our brokerage or, or our business more accurately. And um, she stopped complaining one day and uh, about six months later, I figured out, you know, what, what's so much better. Um, she told me the brokerage was great and everything was going well, but she just so happened to have to need to move three hours away into Virginia. So it seemed like a good opportunity to slide in there um, and fill her place. Um, the thing I liked about it the most was uh, we're a small boutique brokerage. There's uh, four agents. I think there's actually technically six but to just kind of hang their license there. Um, so I was able to get some training and some interaction with our broker, uh, which I think is very important for any new agents. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what areas do you service? So I'm licensed in DC, Maryland, Virginia. And quite frankly, I'll drive anywhere from Frederick to Glen Burnie if, if necessary. Um, my specialty area is probably... Um, Rockville, Silver Spring, kind of a Veers Mill Road corridor, um, just uh, outside the Beltway into Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you you will go anywhere, but you kind of have that focus in that area. Yeah. And I just think um, that's just due to my age and my friendship circle. Um, a lot of my friends, I'm, I'm in my early 30s, and a lot of my friends are buying their first home, and they don't have Bethesda money but they'd like to be somewhat close. So that's like a nice little sweet spot where you can buy a home in the $400,000 range and, you, you know, be a homeowner without making 200 K a year. So mm -hmm. it seems to work out well for my uh, clients. I love that. Um, and just for kind of a fun question, what would you say would be the craziest thing that you've ever seen in a home? Um, a person actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I don't know what you'd clarify somebody that's uh, a squatty. I don't know how long they were squatting there. Um, it was a, 
a, a, a home that an investor client was interested in and um, we went to tour it and in the mudroom, somebody had a bed laid out and the mudroom was actually like a, like a converted um, deck. Uh, so it was the only place that was probably habitable because the remainder of the home was like full of mold and things of that nature. So that was a bit surprising to stumble upon a human being. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, I can only imagine. You said you were showing that home? Yeah, and they were mad at us, actually, for, <laughs> which I thought was a bit interesting, but in, whatever. Yeah, we yeah. were showing the home, and it was a couple that was, like, in their late 50s, and they were quite startled, needless to say. We didn't buy that home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, and if I'm buying a home, what would you say would be the most important thing that I would need to know other than don't blame your realtor if there's somebody in the house? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say... The most important thing you need to know is a general area of where you want to live. Um, so there's like kind of three things you need to figure out when you buy a home, there's location, there's price, and there's type of home you want. Uh, if you could figure out two of those three, the third one usually falls into place and price is usually predetermined um, based off of what you make. Now, obviously if you make a ton of money, you have the luxury of spending less than you can afford, but most home buyers have an allotment of what the lender will give them. So that takes care of that equation. Um, and very few know what type of home they want. Uh, mm. Additionally, you could change a home. You can't move it. Um, usually, sometimes you can. <laughs> uh, but if you know, if you have the location, it makes it a lot easier than just going on a wild goose chase of a hundred mile radius. It's just not plausible. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And as a seller, what would you say would be the most important thing that I would need to prepare for? Um, so I would say the most important thing you would need to prepare for um, would be one. If you're living in the home, then obviously having people come in and out of your home while you're residing there, especially uh, during this pandemic, it's a, a big issue people run into. Um, and it's probably the biggest factor on whether or not your home will sell right now, whether or not people have quick access and if they feel comfortable going through it. Um, now, if you're not residing in the home, I would tell sellers the thing that they need to prepare for is um, not everyone loves your baby. So everyone thinks their house is the greatest, smartest house. Um, it's just a house to everyone else. So don't be offended if somebody doesn't like the color of the drapes. It's mm -hmm. a different taste. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And do you prefer working with buyers or sellers or do you really have a preference? Um, depends on how many people listen to this podcast. I don't know if I should answer that question or not. Uh, <laughs> but um, I guess it's so selfishly, I prefer to work with sellers just mm -hmm. on a, like a completely financial level. Cause usually someone needs to buy another house after they sell theirs. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the process, uh, I prefer working with buyers um, and usually first time home buyers. Cause it's like they leave that when you finish the process, you've kind of not to sound corny, but kind of changed their life scenario. They went from, um, you know, someone who's renting to somebody who now owns a home, American dream, white picket fence, all that good stuff. Um, so it's way more rewarding. Um, and uh, usually they're willing to listen to you. Uh, somebody who's bought one home is now a world-renowned expert in home buying. So 
um, it's a little bit more difficult to give them help sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I can definitely see like the personal aspect of that too, you know, kind of the emotional attachment that they might have with you afterwards. Um, You know, you help them kind of change their life as you were saying. Um, Do you feel like that that's accurate? You kind of build a better relationship with buyers and sellers? Yes. Um, Now there are some sellers that you develop a connection with no differently, Um, but frequently almost always you're not interacting with them as much. So you may meet them two or three times before you get the listing. You may come over and fix a few things, but uh, with a buyer, you're with them every step of the way. Um, If they're somewhat new to it, you may be helping them get approved for a loan. You may be preparing them to improve their credit so that they can become a, 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 a approved for a loan. And then every house they see you're with them along the way. So there's definitely a deeper connection just based off of FaceTime. And then also, especially if they're a first time home buyer, um, they, they do find a connection with you as far as, I mean, change your life is a bit dramatic, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you've helped them achieve a goal that they have had for a long time. Yep, absolutely. Um, and so talk to me a little bit about what the current market is like. How would I know when the best time to buy or sell would be? Um, so the market right now is... I guess you'd call it a little nutty. So it's it's boomed since pre-pandemic. Uh, a lot of the attention has been given to the pandemic because, of course, right? It's in in every aspect of your life. But the reality is, we had a bit of a market boom in January of 2020, which is like a good two months before anyone around here was really giving uh, coronavirus any real credit. Um, And most of that had to do with a a dropping of interest rates, which is pretty big factor in purchasing a home, um, especially if you're a a low down payment buyer, um, along with a drop in um, inventory. So not a lot of people were selling their home. Uh, Supply and demand would determine that prices would go up. Um, That has continued for the last 13 months. Um, We've seen uh, areas in the DC metro area that have increased 12, 13% year over last. And that's particularly dramatic when um, even in the glory days of real estate, a 4% was considered like a pretty good year of rise. Um, So you've got a market that's uh, particularly hot as far as pricing, inventory is still low. So there's not a lot of homes for the number of buyers that are available. And you have a rise in buyers due to low interest rates, a desire to get into more space because you don't necessarily want to live in an apartment building with 500 people anymore. Um, and then one thing that I haven't heard brought up is um, a lot of people have access to a down payment when they wouldn't have before. So a family of four goes to Disney World every year. They spend eight, nine grand on their vacation. They didn't go this year. So now they got a little bit of extra cash to go towards a down payment. So it's just like a culmination of every possible factor has caused a rise in the market, um, along with the fact that we had uh, about two years of kind of a static market where we didn't have we didn't drop over 18 and 19. We did see some price rising, but it wasn't your historical 3%. It was maybe 1% over a two-year period. So we had a little bounce back and then a boom over that. So um, it is, 
somewhat difficult for buyers at the moment to find a property um, that they like and are willing to pay for. Uh, frequently, they will lose out on their first, you know, two or three bids just because they can't bring themselves to go substantially over list price. But that's just the market we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when now, I think you asked, when would a buyer or a seller know it's a good time to buy or sell? I would say everything I just stated said that it'd be a great time for a seller to sell because prices are high. Um, it, you would think that if there's a cyclical effect on real estate, that they would drop at some point. Um, our market in the DC metro area wouldn't really support that. Um, when there's drops nationally, we tend to just kind of stagger. We don't ever really drop heavily, at least in my lifetime. Um, so I, I don't expect any type of like huge correction. And part of that is because we did have a slow 18 and 19. And I've actually argued that part of this boom is a correction. Um, now from a buyer's point of view, um, I still think it's a, it's, it's oddly enough, almost a buyer and a seller's market at the same time, which kind of hate those terms. They're a little too simplified, but uh, because the interest rate has such a substantial impact on what your monthly payment is, and most people don't buy a home with a briefcase full of money, they have to get a loan, uh, that it's actually still desirable um, from a buyer's point of view in this market versus what the unknown might be for uh, moving forward. Uh, if prices do drop, it'll likely be because interest rates rise. So you'll end up paying the same thing anyways. Um, and I don't actually expect prices to drop drastically in the near future. Um, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, I just don't, I, I don't see anything um, outside of a huge like national market crash. I don't see a housing bubble of sorts. So what advice would you give to first time homebuyers? Um, I would say the main thing is don't feel ashamed if you don't know something. Um, it, there's no, there's really no such thing as a dumb question from a first time home buyer. It's going to be likely the biggest transaction you'll make or the second biggest transaction you'll make in your life. First being marriage. Um, but you've got a lot of first time home buyers that are like kind of shy or, are scared to ask questions to their realtor. Oh, um, the, the biggest advice I give is to get a buyer's agent. Excuse me. Um, the, the, the example given to a lot of people is you wouldn't go to court without an attorney. Um, it's the same thing with a buyer's agent, except you don't have to pay for the attorney. Um, so you, when you sign, when you're working with someone without an agency agreement, they don't have any ethical, moral, or legal responsibility to you. Um, if you have a buyer's agent on your side, then you can be confident that they are not only ethically, legally required and bound to giving you the best service possible, but if they have any long-term goals in the business, they're going to want to do a good job so that you tell other people how good of a job they did for you. Um, So once you have a buyer's agent on your side, um, I would not be afraid to ask any and every question, regardless of how stupid you think it is. Trust me, I've heard a dumber question. You can't ask me the dumbest question I've ever asked at this point. So even if it's as simple as like, you know, what about utilities being transferred or something that you don't think is relevant, just ask because and if you're not comfortable with knowing all the information, it's going to be difficult for you to 
pull the trigger on buying something, it doesn't help anyone in the process for you to be confused. Mm -hmm. So don't be shy. Ask me anything and everything, even if you don't think it's my job, because um, if, if you're like me, which I assume most realtors have worked with a number of first time home buyers, uh, you're going to have come across those questions before. And, um, you know, I'm not in lending and I'm not a title attorney, but I work hand in hand with them regularly. I can give you some information that might get, might make you feel more comfortable moving forward. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. You're the expert for a reason. Yeah. With all the moving pieces in real estate, what would you say would be your favorite thing about the industry? If you could pick one thing. If I could pick one thing, my favorite thing about the real estate industry, that's a difficult one. Um, So I do like the fact that there's something tangible. Um, It's, it's an investment, but it's also a place where you lay your head. So it's like a, it's an investment that um, I think is a little bit easier for most human beings to wrap their head around. Um, So you need to live somewhere regardless, right? So as opposed to paying rent and just like kind of stopping by in a place and moving every two years, um, a real estate investment gives you um, a place to stay, uh, security and that your landlord can't kick you out. And at the same time, it builds a retirement program for you. And I'm not really sure if there's anything else that can check all three of those boxes. So mm-hmm. I think it's unique in its ability to be simultaneously uh, a human need and an investment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a good point. Um, and let's kind of switch gears here and talk about a really challenging time for you and how you overcame it. And this can be personally or professionally. Okay. Um, professionally, um, when I made the transition from the commercial to the residential market, um, I went into commercial real estate with the idea that uh, it's a very long sales cycle. Sometimes you might only have a deal once every year, every two, three years. Um, and I um, was in commercial real estate for four years, moved from multifamily investment sales into office leasing. And I was kind of spinning my wheels for about two years, cold calling, just random companies, um, large law firms in DC, and just beating my head against the wall without any success. Um, and I would say after about a year and a half of no's, it was, it was pretty difficult. Um, so I would say that was probably the most challenging point in my career. Um, not even being able to get to a decision maker to be told no is, um, is pretty hard. Um, so yeah, that was, that was probably the low in my career. Just sitting at a desk 10 hours a day, getting hung up on was, uh, was about as bad as, uh, it's gotten here, but fortunately it made me decide to move into the residential sector. So, um, yes, things happen for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And look where you are now. Um, and what would you say would be your biggest life achievement? Something that you're really proud of or passionate about? Um, so, um, I have, uh, I guess it's a job. I coach a high school sport. Um, I coach a golf team at a Churchill high school in Potomac. Um, and we, we want to state title. So that was pretty exciting. Well, congratulations. Uh, thank you. So yeah, we, um, in my, we, we won my first year as coach. Um, but that, you know, I just showed up and you know, there was seniors and I just kind of stood by and they did everything. Um, then we had three years of, uh, 
not having the best team in the world to just do it for me. And uh, last year, fortunately, with a group of seniors that had lost three years in a row, they were able to to, to win. And that was really fun to watch. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty exciting. I love that. And that kind of brings me into my next question. I was going to ask you what your hobbies and fun facts are. Would you say a hobby of yours is golf? Yes. Um, I've always played sports. The sport I played growing up was soccer. Um, and golf is just something I kind of did with my father and my grandfather from time to time. Um, as I've gotten older, it's, uh, it's fun that I can play golf with my 60 something year old father. I don't need to give his exact age to everybody Uh, (laughs) and still compete. Um, it's the only sport where that's possible. Um, so that's fun as a bonding exercise. It's also, um, incredibly frustrating yet somehow entertaining, which probably says something about my mental makeup, but whatever. Um, so, um, yeah, sports have always been a part of my life. It's just kind of transitioned from um, being obsessed about soccer to being obsessed about golf as I was no longer able to run fast. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that would be hobbies. Uh, interesting fact. I don't know if I'm that interesting, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't really know if I have any interesting facts outside of uh, uh, hobbies that I like to do or things of that nature. Yeah, I love that. I think that being a golf coach is kind of a fun fact about you. I mean, it's not like I would have immediately gotten on this podcast with you and been like, oh, so you're a golf coach. You know, I think that that's something that you that you kind of pulled out of your back pocket, which is very interesting to me. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Do I Uh, not look like the 75 year old man golf coach that (laughs) usually what we got? So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Different. Yeah. Um, are you currently reading any books or listening to any podcasts? How do you gain your knowledge? Um, so don't read a ton of books on real estate. Um, I am under the impression that it takes too long to publish something. Uh, now in the investment world, I do skim because there are, um, there are facts about investing that are going to stand the test of time. But as far as like marketing conditions, and things of that nature. Um, I'm more of a article reader than a podcast listener or a book reader. Um, So I'll get information um, frequently from uh, our Realtor Association, the GCAR Greater Capillary Association Realtors. They have a lot of resources that are very helpful. um, And you'd be surprised um, how many articles your local newspaper publishes on the real estate market. Uh, apparently readers are very interested. So, um, yeah, just a lot of Googling and I am signed up for a number of newsletters that just give me monthly statistics, um, where I'm getting my information from. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I love that. Um, and where do you see yourself in the next five years? What are some long-term goals? Um, so I do see myself in the same career, um, do enjoy it, which is nice to know that I'm, I have no intention to change in the next five years. Um, I like to uh, build a, a, a little bit on my personal real estate portfolio. Um, while it is difficult to um, snatch up investment properties right now because inventory is low and there's still the same number of investors trying to make a living in the real estate market, um, there's still some possibilities out there uh, for some value add plays, which may be a buzzword people have heard. It's basically you take a property that um, is in poor condition and you add value to it by say redoing the kitchen, redoing the floors. Um, and you can 
make more money off of what you put in because people are willing to spend more if they're able to finance it over 30 years. They may not have $30,000 to redo the house, but they can get a loan for $30,000 more and spend an extra couple hundred bucks a month. Um, so in the next five years, I'd like to um, switch from holding on to like one flip property at a time to maybe holding on to a few and, and renting them out, trying to build a bit of a like retirement portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, real estate, something I'm familiar with. Um, and it's something that I'm confident in, in investing in. I, I do understand there's other avenues, there's stock market, there's all these things. I'm just not as familiar. So it's, I do what I know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's a good, you know, kind of, I guess, motto to live off of is doing what you know, and that's real estate. So why not invest in real estate? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I, I could definitely read a Reddit sub forum, but I don't know how that's going. <laughs> um, so I'll stay away from that for now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and let's say I'm your next prospective client. Why should I call you? Um, you should call me because why not? No, um, I would call me. So um, I'm submersed in the market. Um, you've got a number of realtors that um, it's not necessarily a full-time gig. This is what I do all day, every day. Um, I work with uh, buyers. I'm currently working with a number of buyers in the DC metro area. So I'm very familiar with the market. Um, I also have an extensive knowledge of home repairs. So sometimes it's helpful when I'm in a home with a buyer that, you know, they say, yeah, this place is great, but like, I think it needs new countertops. And I can tell you, okay, look, this countertop's about, you know, 12 feet long by three feet wide. You've got 36 feet of uh, square feet of space. It's probably going to cost you about 2,800 bucks to get a countertop in here. This portion, we might be able to get a remnant. So it's a little cheaper. Uh, it's helpful to be able to give people ballpark figures um, as opposed to just them assuming what the price is. Um, you, a lot of people are surprised uh, about how some things are substantially cheaper than what they think they would cost. Uh, and then on the other hand, some things are drastically more expensive than they would expect. Uh, a decent example I can give is a lot of people think countertops and cabinets cost the same price. That's not the case. Cabinets are probably three times more expensive. So if you have that knowledge readily available while they're still looking at the property, it could help them make a decision one way or another. Um, I'm also um, a resident of the area my whole life. I've lived in the DC metro area for 32 years. I guess I went to college for a few. Um, and um, a lot of people make decisions based off of uh, school clusters and school systems. So going through them and then still being involved in, in the public school system, I'd be able to give a little bit of information as far as um, what the schools are like. Because uh, while we are not ethically and, and realistically allowed to comment on a lot of things about an area, one thing we are allowed to comment on and one thing that I think is actually probably the best um, predictor of what the area is going to be like is what the schools are like. Um, so that seems to help a lot, being able to tell people what it's going to cost to fix the home, um, give them information about the area. And, um, you know, I'm in my early thirties, I'm unmarried. I don't have kids. I'm ready to show you a home whenever you need it. So (laughs) available and knowledgeable. There you go. Love that. Thank you for letting me, I'm gonna write that down. Now I've got (laughs) to 
one sentence instead of however long that took. No, add it to your, <laughs> add it to your website. <laughs> um, so tell everybody how they can reach you. What's a good phone number, email, social media handles, things like that. Okay. Well, the best way to reach me is my cell phone. Uh, it's sitting right in front of me. Um, my number is 301-520-3250. Um, you could reach me via email. Uh, it's robert at luxmanor.com. That's spelled L-U-X-M-A-N-O-R, like luxury manor. Um, and then my social media, while I do need to develop it a little bit more, um, I'm on Instagram. It's at Robert Tarzi. I try to keep it pretty simple. Um, so I am, uh, ready and available whenever you need me. Love that. Well, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time, uh, to do this with me today. Um, and I loved hearing your story and getting to meet you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.